say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. This episode is made possible by PwC. It's getting hot out here. Moving the mercury can help move your business. PwC helps turn sustainability theory into real-world action. Reduce your carbon footprint while increasing transparency in net zero commitments. Start with reporting to identify your climate risks and reinvent your business. Create a more sustainable business and a stronger planet. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. I'm Neil deGrasse Tyson. Hey, I'm Adam Carolla. Hi, my name is Penn Gillette. Not only listening, I'm the guest. I'm a pen and teller, and I am the fourth listener. And I am the fourth listener. And that must make me at least the fourth listener. To keep our three listeners coming back, we must be doing something right. And if you're the fourth listener, we thank you for the support. You can get every episode with no ads at patreon.com slash David C. Smalley and take advantage of your fourth listener status. And we're going to sue David Smalley for slander. With a world divided, it's time to resurrect nuance and remember the importance of conversation. He's an actor, he's a comedian, and he'll make you think. This is David C. Smalley. So many podcasts now. I'm doing the Liars Club podcast at the Comedy Store with a bunch of funny, amazing people. Go look that show up. Mike, Felicia, and Jess. And I'm doing the Jordan Harbinger podcast for Skeptical Sundays. It's a brand new episode of his show. It looks like it's going to be weekly, maybe bi-weekly, where I go on as the fact-checking skeptic comedian and sort of debunk something, or I either, I either debunk something or... I just uh, talk about an issue that people are unsure about. I can either confirm or deny, and uh, it's a fun show, and it's short. So if you like my show, but you think I drone on way too long, like most of you have said, uh, you're going to like Skeptical Sundays uh, with Jordan Harbinger. So go subscribe to Jordan Harbinger and, of course, The Liars Club. I'm not sure if our episode is out yet, our brand new episode of me on that show, Um, but it's going to be a lot of fun. And I did two episodes of this show last week, so a lot of microphone time for me. I've got comedy shows all over the place, including tonight, but by the time you hear this, it's probably going to be too late. Uh, go to davidcsmalley.com. That's where you can get all of the comedy dates and tour info. I know I will be in Little Rock, Arkansas, May 11th through the 14th. Everything else you can find on the website. And finally, uh, text your feedback. I'm going to start doing a new episode probably weekly where I just respond to feedback, where I just deal with the texts. And that's how today's episode actually started. My guest sent a text, and you can too. The phone number. It's 424-306-0798, 424-306-0798. Send a text there and uh, I can respond and I will be responding to most of you and most of the responses you'll get will be something like, I just recorded this, listen to the most recent episode, I answered your question or I responded. Um, my guest today 
texted the number and wanted to inform me that he is in fact a Christian, but an open-minded Christian. Uh, please join me in welcoming Devin Melanson. Devin, thanks for joining me today, man. Yeah, thanks for having me. I, I, I nailed that, right? I said your last name correctly. Got it first try, my man. Sweet. <laughs> Thought we were going to have to take the whole intro again just to get that in there. Um, all right, so I guess tell me, um, I'm just curious how you found the show. I'm, I, I just imagine my days as a Christian or like when I had you know uh, uh, Bree Jordan on the show. Uh, former Christians can say, oh yeah, I'm, I've, I've been struggling, I've been out of the closet, or I've been fighting with my family for four years, and they, they think I worship Satan. So I started looking up references, I typed in atheist and debates and stuff like that, and or skepticism, and I, I found you. How does a Christian come across this podcast? Yeah, so it's actually really funny. I found you on the Jordan Harbinger podcast whenever you did the episode on the importance of, I think it was like the importance of conflicting beliefs or something along ah, those lines. Okay. Um, yeah, okay. And so I was like, yeah, like I, I agree with that 100%. I checked out your podcast, man, I was hooked. Um, you know, I I'm not going to lie, there were a lot of things and still things in podcasts that you released recently where I'm, you know, they're, they're head, noggin scratchers and head thumpers for me. But, um, you know, I, I just initially just wanted to tell you, hey, I appreciate what you're doing. And it, you know, turned into what it is now. So, yeah, yeah Jordan Harbinger is where it was at. Cool. Very cool. Yeah. So that was back when I was a guest on his show. And he said he'd been listening for years and his podcast is phenomenal. Uh, oh, yeah. I mean, who gets to sit down with, you know, Kobe Bryant and Mark Cuban? And I mean, this guy has some of the greatest interviews in the world. He's super smart. Uh, I'm, I'm a fan of his. Was was shocked to learn he was also a fan of my show. And I was like, why don't we collab? Let's do some stuff together. And that's how yeah. Skeptical Sundays was born. I think only two episodes have been released, but uh, I love it. I, I love doing the show. Um, so yeah, that's cool. I, I'll, I'll let Jordan know. I'm, I'm, he'll probably listen to this, but, um, yeah, we'll be sure to give him a, give him a shout out on that one because, uh, you know, without him, this wouldn't have happened. So, yeah. so you sent a text and you were like, Hey, I'm one of the open-minded ones. You've given me some stuff to think about. Uh, I mm -hmm. guess let's start at the beginning. What is your background? Were you raised in a non-denominational, pretty liberal Christian home or was it the really, you know, you know, uh, kind of beating the Bible over your head, fundamentalism, like what, what type of Christianity were you first introduced to? So I was actually debating whether or not to tell you this before the show. I grew up an atheist. Oh, um, <laughs> oh that is great. Oh man. <laughs> so, well, first I, of all, that explains, that explains why you're so reasonable, but go ahead. <laughs> so yeah, I grew up an atheist. Um, I grew up in literally this podunk town out in the middle of Texas. So Southern Baptists, I guess, were really what I was mostly exposed to. Um, and it was the type of people who would tell me, you know, you're going to hell, and then they go and drink and have sex and everything else. Wait, wait, um, wait. Were, were we neighbors? Yeah. Because that sounds <laughs> exactly like my experience. So, yeah, I lived out in Tyler County, a little town called Colnesnil. Um, oh, okay. So, I mean, it was literally you could fart in class and the whole school knew about it by the end of the day. Mm -hmm. But, uh, but yeah, so I grew up atheist, um, graduated high school and just kind of had this sudden realization of what am I going to do with my life and had just this huge panic attack. Um, 
my family was kind of helping me. And I had an aunt and uncle out here in Oklahoma where I live now that was like, hey, we'll help them get into school, stuff like that. Just come out and stay with us. And uh, went out, stayed with them. My parent, my father got saved July 4th. I got saved a little bit later after the rest of my family, which was July 8th. Okay, so um, hold on. So your dad was an atheist as well? Yeah, so my dad was big into atheism. Really the only quote-unquote spiritual one in my family was my mother. And she said that, you know, she would pray on occasion, but she wasn't really, you know, invested. We never went to church. I could count on one hand the number of times I went to church growing up. So... Okay, so so your dad gets so your dad's an atheist, but he 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 moved with you out to this area and then ended up being saved by other so family members. He dropped me off, um, stayed the weekend with my aunt and uncle, got saved that weekend, <clears throat> talking to my aunt and uncle, and then I got saved that following Sunday. Um, um, but yeah, so and then my family moved up here probably about six months after I came up to Oklahoma and kind of started getting established. Okay. Are your, are your folks still around? Yeah. So we actually live, uh, me, my family, my mom, my dad, all that. We all live in the, uh, the same town or city here in Tulsa, Oklahoma. Uh, my brother is the only one who he's out in Arkansas right now going to school. Oh, wow. So, I was just in Tulsa, like literally a couple of weeks ago. I know. I heard that and I was like, darn it. I wanted to go to a show if I would have known. <laughs> I, so I may be, so I, I'm still working out the details, but I may be coming to a church in Oklahoma City right after my Little Rock show. So okay. I can't officially announce it, but I'll just tell you, and I'm not going to edit this out of the podcast because that takes too much work. But mm. if it works out, I will probably be either in Tulsa or in Oklahoma City on May 15th. It's a, okay. we're, it's, it's a possibility. So if it does happen, I'll be, you know, announcing it and pushing it everywhere and I can try to, uh, shoot you a text and, and let you know. But I, I, the idea is going to be, did you hear the episode I did with, uh, Harvey Sparks? Um, I believe so. I think that may have been, I, I can't remember. I've heard so many of your episodes the last week. Um, I know that there were one or two where I was. I agreed with a lot of what they were saying as far as like kind of faith and spirituality goes. Yeah. Um, I don't know if he was one of them. He, he was the one we, he's really cool. Really nice guy. He, we talked a lot about the roles of women in the church and in, in, in that episode. Oh yeah. And, I think I remember where he was like a woman, you know, I'll never preach in our church. And I kind of right. and laughed at myself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, <laughs> so, so he has a church there around that area and he's invited me to come out to his church and kind of like have an evening with an atheist situation in front of the congregation. So um, I'm looking forward to that. And then he heard the episode I did with Bree in which we talked about the episode with him. And he had some choice words for, for how we handled and, mis and misinterpreted things. Or, or And I was like, hey, you're welcome to come on and air your grievances. And he's like, let's do it. So he's probably the next episode. Um, okay. And I'm probably going to bring Bree back and have him on if she's up for it. So I guess we'll see if our schedules connect, but, but yeah. Okay. So, so I'm, I may be doing that. So that, that'll be, that'll be fun. Uh, we could actually meet and maybe you could bring the family out and I could try to undo oh. your family's work of converting you. <laughs> so I, I'm interested, uh, I God, I wish I could talk to your dad about this too. Um, I, I want to know like, you know, the reasons he was an atheist and what was it? And, and I know the Christians listening right now are going to want to know what was it? 
that actually took someone who was an atheist and made them accept Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. I mean, that is incredibly rare for someone to yeah. go from a non-believer. Like, it's, it's super common for people to say, oh, I used to be a Muslim or I used to be a Christian and now I'm an atheist uh, or agnostic or whatever, but it's extremely rare to go the other way. So do you know what it was for your dad that that made him believe in such a short amount of time? Yeah, so I can't speak a ton for him. I know that, I mean, it was kind of, so our entire family was just nothing but depression, um, you know, drugs, drug abuse, drug addiction, stuff like that. And it really kind of just got to a point where it was like, look, we have been doing life on our own accord and on our, on our own account for so long. And this is where it's gotten us. <laughs> I mean, we're, we're complete emotional wrecks. We're hooked on drugs. We, you know, have no real purpose or direction or drive to our life. Um, and you know, all this other stuff. Um, like I said, I don't want to air out too much of my dad's history because he's, he's the type of person who get on here and talk with you too. Oh, that's great. Um, then let's, let's definitely set that up and, and we yeah. will, we will set that aside cause I'm super curious about that. So then that, let's talk, uh, about you then. What was it? What was it for you? It was it the kind of the same concept, the, the depression, this was kind of a way out of unhappiness, if you will. Yeah. And so it was, I was cl diagnosed clinically depressed around the age of like 15 or so. Um, was on antidepressants. I was into weed and synthetic marijuana. I don't know if you've heard of that stuff whenever it was floating around and super popular, Yeah, yeah. but I, I was really heavy into all that stuff. And, um, I moved out with my aunt and uncle and I remember that first Sunday I was sitting in the church pew and I was still just like, well, we'll, we'll see what happens <laughs> type deal. And I remember I was looking at one of those little info cards that are in the back of every church pew. And it basically asked on there, you know, are you saved? No. Do you want to be saved? And I stared at that card for half, if not the whole sermon, just trying to figure out what I was going to say. And finally, you know, it was just a choice. I was like, you know, look, I, I've done everything I can. I don't know what else to do. So let's give it a shot. And here I am 10 years later. And, I mean, haven't experienced depression a day since then. Um, completely clean drugs and alcohol for the last 10 years. And just, you know, just living life. Got a wife and a kiddo. Couldn't be happier. Wow. I mean, that's cool that that, that, that happened. To me, what that sounds like is it was a lack of humanist resources that you were either not aware of or that just weren't in your area. Um, there are tons of, of humanist groups or kind of like that sort of replace that idea of church, right, uh, for the people who don't believe, who need that community. Because I, I think, and this is, look, I'm not a mental health professional, but what, what is very likely the case is you, you found purpose, you involved yourself in a community. You developed friends. You developed relationships. You f you developed responsibilities and didn't want to let people down. And uh, you felt loved by multiple people. You felt loved by God. You felt loved by the preacher and, and, and the family. And you felt accepted. I mean, those are all wonderful things for someone who is struggling with depression. And so... I wouldn't say that it's bad for you that this happened. I would I would just say that it's unnecessary. 
Um, there are plenty of, of atheists, of non-believers, who struggle with depression and then reach out to a therapist. And through talking with a therapist, the therapist realizes that, in fact, uh, the person is you know lonely and um, struggling with acceptance and dealing with some things from their past. And so they encourage them to join groups and go out and, and um, mingle with like-minded people. And so they join atheist groups and they go have beers on Wednesdays and they go bowling and they join a bowling league or they go golfing. And eventually they sort of build this sort of uh, life around, you know, like a Kansas City Oasis or a, a Sunday Assembly or one of these secular humanist groups that get together and, and do gatherings and play music and they develop friendships and and they have, you know, they, they, they bring food and do potlucks and um, they have movie nights and comedy nights and they just have a sense of community and that, that helps a lot of people. So uh, I'm glad it helped you. I'm just curious if if you're also uh, uh, like on board with that happening for non-believers as well, without the ideas of of a deity. No, absolutely. I mean, I think you know, community is super important for anyone. And uh, I've asked myself the very question several times: was you know, did my life change because I took myself out of the environment that was making me depressed? And um, really the biggest thing that, you know, I always kind of circle back to is, and I know that you have said in a lot of your debates before that you don't believe personal experiences, um, evidence or sufficient evidence to prove, um, in God, but there's just been so much personal experience just in my own alone time, um, outside of church. I mean, I used to be very, you know, every Sunday, Wednesday, go to church. Now I'm a little bit a little bit more relaxed. You know, if I wake up and I'm just like, you know, babe, I'm really not feeling church today. Uh, we don't go to church and we're, okay. you know, we, we don't believe that we're any worse Christians for it type thing. Um, but yeah, yeah, I think community is really a big part. And I think that, you know, was likely a big reason that, you know, did begin to kind of push me in a direction and help in a lot of my emotional healing side. Um, but I think a lot of, you know, just the, the physical and healing and everything else, I think can, a lot of it can be attributed to, you know, the, the relationship that I began to develop with, with God and Jesus as yeah. well. And, and I think it's important to know, too, that um, most preachers are very cha charismatic, motivational speakers, <laughs> right? <laughs> there are times where, like, I'll be scrolling through TikTok, and I'll see a guy talking about how to treat your partner or ways to accept responsibility and ways to uh, refuse to accept someone else's anger and that anger is a gift. And it, what happens if you buy me something and I don't accept it? Who owns that item? The person's like, what do you mean? I bought it for you. Yeah, but if I refuse to accept it, who owns it? They're like, I do. Okay, let's let's treat anger like that. If you want to give anger to me, I don't want your anger. I refuse to fight with you. You own that anger. I'm not going to accept your anger. Or these 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 wonderful little tidbits of information that are simply self-help, self-improvement, and motivational. And eventually at the end, they'll say something like, and that's why I trust in God, when I'm going, well, hold on. All of that still holds up without you trusting in God, right? All of that motivational stuff that you said helped me as an atheist without the belief in the God, without the acceptance of a creator. So uh, I, I think that being in a church where, I mean, just imagine if you're, if you're an atheist 
and you're struggling with depression and then you change your environment, you go around family who loves you, you join a group of people who love you, and you're going to weekly TED Talks that are most that are motivational and science-based and not only help you build relationships, but help you build your career, help you focus, and help you take responsibility for your actions and help you mature as a human. I mean, that's essentially what you did with God sprinkled on top. You know what I mean? I, I don't... Like, the motivation of the church is so powerful, and the motivation of the preachers. There are tons of sermons where I could sit in as an atheist and be a better person for hearing it, because a lot of the time, the Bible is just a starting point, and the preacher the, the preacher writes the sermon, and I would say 70 to 80% of it will have nothing to do with God or religion, but it's about the way you behave, or the, uh, you know, about the way you, you look at money, or about the way you look at your mother, or people who have harmed you, or or forgiveness, and, and all of this wonderful sort of self-help information that can be beneficial without the idea of religion. And, and I'm, of course, we would have to, I mean, we've been talking for 20 minutes, right? Not not hours or days, but I'm sure, yeah. you know, a mental health professional can get to the bottom of these things, whatever was causing it for you. But are, are you open to the possibility that it, that it, it was, in fact, not necessarily the truth of the Christianity that saved you, but rather your commitment to change, your commitment to be a better person, and the community around you that actually helped you sort of push that depression aside. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. This episode is made possible by PwC. A robot may not be coming for your job, but competitors are coming for your market share. At PwC, we pair the right tech with the right solutions to help you gain a competitive edge. Reimagine operations from the cloud, fuel innovation with responsible AI, and detect risks before they become headlines. That's human-led and tech-powered. It's all part of the new equation. Learn more at thenewequation.com. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to Chumbacasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Uh, I, <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, I really think it's kind of inter- interlocked in, into each other because, I mean, I, I could have absolutely just gone to church and sat there and just listened to God and got my weekly dose of God and everything else. Um, but And that, that would have been all well and good, but it, it definitely took not only the God side of things, but my personal action side of things and making that driving force and making those things happen. And I've experienced and seen God work in my life several different times, um, just even on a personal side, whether it be in my own prayer or my professional life. I I have stories of, you know, a, a lot of people would chalk up to a happy coincidence that I completely believe that it was, you know, God setting things into motion and, you know, kind of 
I, I guess in our terminology called divine appointments. If you've ever heard that, that term thrown around. I have, um, so I have a, I have a question for you about that. Cause I don't doubt that those things happen to you. And, and let me, I want to clarify one thing that you said about, uh, my view on personal experiences. Uh, the, the caveat there is, I don't believe that a personal experience can be evidence to convince someone else. Okay. But I think your personal experience can be evidence for yourself. Okay. And and I start parting ways with these hardline atheists on this issue because I've had people like Aaron Ra uh, has been in my studio before saying, you don't know anything unless you can demonstrate it. And and I go, I disagree with that. I think you can know things that you can't prove. And people go, like what? My best example is a dream you had. If you wake up with a very vivid memory of a dream you just had, uh, that you were in the backyard and you started floating and then you fell to the ground and woke up before you hit the grass. You wake up, you look at your wife, you tell her the dream, and she goes, demonstrate that knowledge. You can't demonstrate that knowledge, but you know it just happened to you. And so uh, this idea that your personal experience can develop belief is a very real thing. I can say that I have a very strong belief, in fact, knowledge that I had that dream, but I have no evidence to support that. Now, if I want to draw a line and start demanding that you believe in my dream or else you're going to a punishment place or that we should begin legislation based on my dream, now I need to bring evidence to the table that I have the authority to bring such legislation, right? And that requires additional evidence. So that's kind of the difference with like the fundamentalist Christian right pushing laws, and that's where we get into the whole political side of the debate. But for you holding your own personal belief... I think personal experience can be very powerful. Okay. Yeah. And I, I apologize if I misquoted or took that out of context for you. I, I completely understand that. Oh yeah. No uh, <laughs> but yeah. And I, I think, I think a big thing for me and kind of my experience, what I've witnessed, not only in my life, but also my, my, uh, life's life. That's a tongue twister. Um, is just making that initial choice because, and I'm, I cannot quote scripture anything like you can right now. <laughs> My brain is just a fog of everything that's happened today. But um, I believe that it says in the Bible that God will basically reveal himself to those who seek him. And it's that decision of, okay, I'm, I'm going to make this choice despite the lack of evidence that I've seen, because I went into it with basically the same mindset an argument, the same arguments you've made, I made in the past to a lot of my, uh, you know, Southern Baptist Bible Belt friends. And I was just, I'm, I'm going to make the choice and I'm going to seek you. And here's the stipulation. If you do not show yourself to me, I'm out. Like you, you've, you've got to make yourself known to me in a big way because I, I'm not, I'm not looking to waste my time. Um, that's one thing I, I absolutely hate. You know, I'm not going to try and chase down, beat down this door for, you know, 10 years and chase all these rabbits trying to, you know, figure things out. It needs to be now or it needs to be never type deal. Um, and so to me, the, the biggest thing was making that choice. And then those a lot of those personal experiences became evident and started happening almost kind of like a domino effect once I made that choice of, okay, I'm going to seek you and I'll, I'm going to give this, I'm going to give you a shot type deal. Um, yeah. and I, I don't want to start chasing my tail around and kind of going on this, but 
yeah, so that, that's kind of where, where I landed and what kind of led me into where I was, was just that, that initial choice. And, you know, through no persuasion of my aunt or my uncle or anything else, it was, uh, I'm going to make this choice and I'm going to give it a shot. Okay. Yeah. The, the, the verse you're talking about is Jeremiah 29, 13. It, it gets quoted on the show a lot. And, <laughs> and, and here's, there's, there is a, there is a, a, a hidden implication in there that is very offensive to people. Like I promise you just telling your story, you just, you just punch some people right in the throat and you probably don't even realize it. There okay. is because, and, and I want to be clear about all of this. The episode I did with Bree Jordan, it, it's called, I think it's called From Ministry to OnlyFans. Mm -hmm. She was, she was in the ministry. She was like doing her thing. She was with the youth minister, I believe. They were dating. They were leading church services. They were leading prayer. And she, he found my show. He showed it to her. They listened to a few episodes and started binging it. And then both became non believers and left the church. And, and, uh, that's the, I've never heard of like clergy listening to this show and being like, yeah, you're right. No, this is crazy. Uh, but it's happened a couple of times and people have come on as atheists before and then listened over the year, or sorry, as Christians before, and then listened over the years and then came back and said they were now a non-believer. Um, but the hidden implication there, and this is what Brie talked about, is that when she talks to Christians today, they basically so condescendingly say to her, well, you never really had faith then. If you can lose your relationship with God, you never really had it. You didn't seek properly. You didn't pray hard enough. You didn't pray correctly. Your heart wasn't in it when you said it. You were just going through the motions. You didn't really believe. And she talks in that episode about how deeply hurtful that is because she was all in. I mean, she was 100. She was, she, she, she's like, I was that annoying person in high school going up to all of my friends, trying to get them to come to church, praying with them, just being, she's like, I lived, breathed, ate and slept my religion. And it was everything to me. Uh, so then when the evidence started to fall apart for her, when things didn't make sense, she followed the evidence as opposed to the emotion. And she's like, well, you know what? As much as I thought I was doing the right thing, I do see how this part can be bad for me. I do see how this could be a problem. And so she started to back out of it. And to, to then be told to, by people who were still in it that you were never real is just such a slap in the face. And I know you didn't say those words, but mm -hmm. Jeremiah 29, 13 says, you will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your heart. So mm -hmm. that's the verse that people use when they go, well, if you didn't find God or you walked away and said God was never there, you must not have sought with all your heart. You didn't put everything you could have into finding God, and, and therefore now you're, you're backslid, you're, you're going down this dark path. And so I'll end this with a question. What do you say to those people like Bree <clears throat> or like people who've been on my show in the past who talk about going through terrible abuse at the hands of a pastor, a preacher, um, a parent who was also a preacher, crying out to God, begging for 
um, safety, begging for help, saying, what, what have I done to cause this? Why do you allow this to happen to me? Why do you hate me? Why have you abandoned me? Those people who feel afraid and alone and believe 100% with all their heart that God is allowing this to happen to them because they somehow deserve it, and then eventually they they go through the evidence and go, wait a minute, maybe this isn't true. Maybe the creator of the universe doesn't hate me. Maybe I don't deserve being abused four times a week. Maybe there is no God watching at all, and I need to take control over my life. What do you say to the people who pray and pray and pray with all their heart for most of their lives and never have that eye-opening moment? Do you say to them it's their fault? No, absolutely not. And I, the first thing I would say to someone like Bree or some, you know, any of the other people that have had that experience is deeply from the bottom of my own heart, I'm sorry, because I don't believe that that should at all be how a Christian should represent themselves or talk to another person. Um, I mean, I don't care if you are, I mean, atheist, I don't care if you're, I'm going to Muslim, I'm going to treat you like a human being first and foremost, because despite the life you've had, despite the things you've been through, you're, you're a child of God, you're a creation of God. And just the same way I love an animal and I'll stop and move a turtle out of the road. I'm going to stop and help you if, you know, to the best of my ability within my means to help you. And so I But but Devin, that's I, you that's you as a person. Isn't yeah. isn't Jeremiah 29:13 though saying just what I said that if if you seek God and do not find him or decide on your own that God is not there because of evidence you didn't seek with all your heart, isn't the Bible actually saying it's it's the person's fault that they didn't find God? So I I was I was kind of working my my way around to it. Sorry. Um I would say because kind of my my view where I've landed through a lot of just soul searching, a lot of meditating on it, God gave the world to man and creation of Adam and Eve. He basically said, look, it's yours in the same way that, you know, whenever my, t my son turns old enough, I'm going to give him a car and say, son, this car is yours. You, you have full authority over it. And to be perfectly honest, man did not handle earth very well. We drove that car into the dirt, did none of the maintenance, did none of the care. And I believe that it is absolutely oh, man's responsibility. Devin, that's just not true though, man. It, God didn't stop slavery. Man did. God didn't discover penicillin. Man did. Mm -hmm. Like man has, has overturned so many of God's wrongdoings. Throughout the Bible, women are told to submit or subjected or are, and then it, it, it's, it's, it's modern day humans who said we should have equal rights. God never said we should have equal rights. It is modern day humans who have said we should not own other human beings as property and trafficking is wrong. God was saying you can go ahead and sell your daughters into slavery. I mean, you can beat your slaves. Like, the, so no, I completely reject this notion that man did none of the maintenance and didn't take care of it and ran it into the ground and God did all the heavy lifting. It's quite the opposite. If we go through the other 613 Levitical commandments and try to live by those today, we would end up in prison 
because that's not the way people should behave to one another. Human beings are not perfect by a long shot, but we have figured out a more civil way to live and respect other human beings than God ever prescribed. Well, <clears throat> sorry. Um, I, I think a big part of that as well, though, is, I mean, whenever you read the Bible, yeah, there's the Old Testament is basically, here's everything that you need to do to be a good person. And it was, to me, a lot of that was God demonstrating you can never basically live up to the, um, I'm trying to find the words here, basically live up to the standard that I expect someone to live up to, to basically be oh. a pure, loving full Christian. Sure, and, but 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 the New Testament does the same thing. Ephesians 6, 5 says, slaves obey your earthly masters. Colossians 3, 22 says the same thing. Uh, Romans 1, 26 through 32 says that people who are gay or people who support them are all equally worthy of death. Uh, there's lots of stuff in the New Testament where they could have addressed this and did not overturn these things. And I, that... And so this, we're, we're getting to the territory where I'm, I'm still very much, you know, that's something that I'm kind of settling within myself for sure. And so I, I'm glad to, to chat with it, chat with you about it. I think a big part of it as well is, I mean, man owning and operating within the world. Yes, we, we came up with penicillin. We abolished slavery. We, you know finally gave women equal rights and that's something where i i feel like we're still working on getting that to where it needs to be with women and men um would you acknowledge that the church is further behind in egalitarianism than the rest of the world i think uh, there's a lot of churches out there that have failed dramatically in in that area i completely 100 percent agree and i've I've been told by other atheists I'm probably the most liberal atheist they've ever spoken to um, because I don't I don't believe that it's God's will to for, for women to be below man. I know that you've referenced scripture that says so. And I I believe a big part of that is, you know, God meets us on our level where we're at. And at that time frame, yeah, man was like, no, I'm going to own. A hundred slaves, I'm not going to lift a finger and my wife's going to do whatever I tell her because gosh darn it, I, I own her too. I paid good money for her type deal. And that's, and so God was, because I believe there's even a story in, um, in Exodus where, you know, the people, Moses, the Jews that Moses were leading out, they were like, well, what about divorce? We want a divorce. If we don't want this woman, we want to divorce this woman. This woman, God was like, fine, you want a divorce? Here's what needs to be meant. For you to be able to divorce them, I'm still not okay with it. I still don't think because you've entered into a covenantal relationship with that person and covenant is not something to be taken lightly. Um, and so I, I wouldn't argue that man is more moral than God. I think that we're, I guess, for lack of better terms, and I could be kind of off base with this, we're, we're kind of playing catch up and we're getting there. But we're still, I mean, still have, still have a way to go. I mean, I can do so much better as a person. I'm sure you, there's areas in your life where you're like, man, I, I wish I could have done that differently. I wish I could have been a better person in that situation. Um, and it's just, you know, we, we wake up every day trying to be better than we were yesterday. Right. Yeah. And that's, that's, to me, that's a human trait. I mean, humans are going to human, right? Uh, 
Um, mm-hmm. I, I do want to point out, because I know roughly half of our listening audience right now is still thinking about it, you just totally subliminally referred to yourself as an atheist. You meant to say Christian, but we all heard you say that I'm the most oh. liberal atheist they've ever talked to, and half of them went, yeah, he's going, he's getting there. Uh, <laughs> and I just let it go. I just let, I just let yeah. it fly. But uh, I, I know what you mean, you know, that that, yeah. that you're very liberal, that you're willing to talk about this stuff, and... Um, here's the, here's the thing that, that shocks me about people like you, or even people like Harvey, uh, people who are, who are willing to come to the table and talk about the things that make them uncomfortable, uh, talk about the, the Bible verses and, and the failures of the church and all of these things. Here's the thing that repeatedly shocks me. You can look at slavery and go, that is horrific. And you can look at the treatment of women in the Bible and say, that is horrific. You can look at the treatment of the LGBT community and and go, that is horrific. These verses don't represent me. They don't represent what I believe Christianity is. Uh, These may have been taken out of context. They may have been misinterpreted. Uh, this may not have really ever been what God wanted. I don't know why that stuff's in there. I'm still working through it, but I don't like it. Problem, 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 problem. But at the end of the day, if you still hold true that the Bible is the Word of God, and you still hold true that it's reliable, then what you're saying is, I'm not okay with slavery, I'm not okay with the mistreatment of women, but I am okay with worshiping a God who put those things into place. So you realize it is immoral to own other human beings, and you realize it is immoral to treat women as second-class citizens, but you worship a God as though he is better than you, and that God is the one who put these things into motion, or at the very least, allowed them to happen, instructed people on how to do it, and gave rules guiding and regulating the practices of slavery and literally selling women as sex slaves. That's the God you worship, and you have to make sense of that. Well, and I I would kind of, I I would disagree. So whenever, I I know I keep jumping back, whenever God created Adam and Eve, and there was the creation, that moment, God didn't say to Eve, basically, you're his slave. He told them, you guys are partners. No, that's not true. He actually called her a helper. She was the helpmeet. That that was the name that that they gave her. It was, uh, Eve was to help Adam. Okay. Um, And I mean, I I, I would argue that even today, I mean, my wife, I, I do not own my wife. I mean, my wife is probably much more outspoken than I ever am. Um, two, three years ago doing something like this, I I would have ran a thousand miles the other direction. Um, but I mean, my, my wife helps me. Absolutely. I couldn't do what I do today without her. She's the biggest driving force behind me in the same way that I help her. And I, I, I steward our family and I provide for our family and do everything that I do. Um, but it was whenever Adam and Eve basically said, we're going to do it our way. And we're basically, we're, we're going to do what you told us not to do. We're going to bring sin into the world. 
even whether that be consciously or, you know, uh, not realizing that they were doing so. That was whenever the corruption of man kind of took place and man basically began saying, okay, we're, you know, I I want help on my field, but I don't want to pay for the help on my field. So I'm going to get, you know, Joe and I'm going to get them and I'm basically going to make them do it for me and I'm going to own them and then I'll sell them whenever I'm done type deal. And God was just, I, I feel like God was up there just face palming to a degree and was like, all right, fine. If this is, if this is the world you guys have turned what I created into, here's the rules that we're going to operate by while I am working out a greater plan. And I think just in the same way that we've seen, uh, not in the same way, but we've seen man develop and society develop over these thousands of years that, I mean, we, I feel like we're, we're slowly getting to that point. I don't think God's true intention was ever for us to treat any one of his creations as lesser than, than ourselves. Well, the, the issue I have with that take is through the 613 Levitical commands or either section of the Ten Commandments, because there were two different sets, by the way, um, he just never addressed it. You're you're saying that like these people are doing this and they're owning slaves and God's up there face palming, going, "Uh, okay, you guys are gonna do this terrible practice. I'm at least gonna give you some guidelines." When sometimes those guidelines were, "Here's how to trick your slave into staying, give him a wife, have them make a baby, let him have a family as he is a slave, and then say, okay, after seven years, you're free to go, but your wife and child have to stay. So those are your options. Go be free and leave your wife and child, or stay my slave, and if he chooses to stay, then you drive an all through his ear, connecting to your wall, symbolizing that he is yours forever. Um, That's really specific. Um, God also says you can beat your slave as long as he doesn't die within two days. If he dies in the third day, you're off the hook because it's not proof that your beating killed him. If he dies within the first two days, then you have to pay some sort of fine or you get in trouble. Maybe you you get put to death. I don't remember. Um, But if he doesn't die, it's totally fine to beat him. Why? It says in the Bible, because he is your property. Um, there are verses that say you can pass down, and these, when people come on and say that, oh, it was just indentured servitude, we go right to the verses that talk about how he, uh, it says you can pass your slaves down to your children. You can bequeath them to your children because they are your property. So God was watching this and allowed people to pass their slaves down to their children, um, allowed them to be beaten severely as long as they didn't actually die within 48 hours, yet he felt it necessary to provide the 15th Levitical commandment in Leviticus 19, not to hate your brother in your heart, uh, not to slander people, um, not to turn uh, uh, the ways of idol worship. You're not allowed to worship you know, the golden calf, um, uh, don't make any cast imagery of God. That was enough for him to get involved in. He's like, hey guys, don't don't uh, get involved in making shapes of me. You want to address that slavery thing? I'm just going to facepalm and then tell you guys you can beat them. I mean, this is, 
he got involved with so many aspects of people's lives, if you believe the Bible is true. He talked about what foods you should eat, what foods were unclean, that a woman is unclean for seven days if she has a boy, but she's unclean for 14 days if she has a girl, because girls are more unclean than boys or are less clean than boys. So there are all of these very specific things that God gets involved with, gets involved with to control, yet never thought to say, thou shalt not own human beings as property, or a woman is equal to a man, or some people are going to be gay, love them anyway, nobody deserves to be killed for attraction. No, instead we're just going to say, um, you know, uh, uh, don't intimidate your neighbor's. Cl- uh, sorry, don't don't um, don't imitate your your neighbor's clothing. Be yourself. Don't try to become who your neighbors are. That's important enough for God to dictate, but not owning other human beings, not selling little girls into slavery, not treating women with respect. I mean, th- that sounds like a huge misfire in the belief system. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. It is Ryan here and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, were prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. No, and. I agree. And so like I said, th- those are things that I'm, I'm still, cause listening to your podcast. Yeah. There's a lot that I'm still trying to settle within my own heart. And basically, cause yeah, I, I, I know several gay men. I were, I used to work and be great friends with a, with a gay guy, uh, met his husband. Husband's a great guy. And never in my days would I imagine, you know, stringing them up on a cross or burying them in the dirt and stoning them. Um, do, do you believe they're going to hell? So that, I mean, it's, I, I do, uh, I'm, I'm not going to try and mince words with you. I, I appreciate that. The next phase, and that's fine. That's accepted. That's, that's expected, I think, with, with your belief system. But once again, now we're at a crossroads. You don't think they deserve to be strung up. You don't think they deserve hell necessarily. If it were your decision, you wouldn't throw them into a lake of fire. Mm. But you worship a God who you also believe 
will throw them into the lake of fire because of who they love. So let me, let, let me clarify. Um, so I, I believe, I, I completely believe that there can be a gay Christian. You can be gay. You can be dealing with something or uh, not even necessarily dealing with something. I'm sorry. Um, but you can say, you know what? I love this God. I want to be in a relationship with this God. And despite being gay, I believe that you'll go into heaven. I believe if there was a deathbed conversion for Hitler, just by everything that he had done, he would be in heaven. There's because what? Sorry, I don't know if I lost you there or not. No, no, no. Um, I, well, you lost me like mentally because uh, I, <laughs> I did, I did have to double facepalm, and so I'm going to hit the pause button here. So, so yeah, what, yeah, yeah. what, what, what you're saying is Hitler would have had if he had a deathbed conversion. Hitler would be in heaven, and the six million Jews he killed would be in hell because they reject the idea of Jesus, right? That, that, that does sound like what I said. <laughs> um, and I don't mean to laugh at that as, you know, a cruel thing. It's more me kind of rationalizing things out. No, I understand. It, um, was, a, it was a nervous, holy shit, my belief is crazy laugh. And that's okay. That's okay. Well, it, 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 it's more, there, there's still a lot of questions that I have that I need answers to. Um, sure. But, and so I, I agree that right now, how we're living through creation, uh, Christianity is not perfect by a stretch. And I think it, it more starkly contrasts because you, you've brought up the Levitical laws several times. And I believe a lot of the Old Testament was God saying, look, if you want a relationship with me, if you want to be in right standing with me, here is the standard that I expect you to live your life to. Right, but but hold on, and, but but let's let's yeah. let's let's freeze frame that and just imagine yeah. who would want a relationship with a deity who would let Hitler into heaven because of an apology and repentance. But since but send his six million victims to hell because they didn't believe in Jesus. Who would want to build a relationship with something so tyrannical and and egotistical? No, I I, I can see that, and I think probably one of the the biggest things is I I believe that there is I mean. I know a lot of people die having never even heard the name of God before Jews having heard the name of God. It's, it's a lot. <laughs> um, it's a lot for me being a Christian for the last 10 years, um, even having gone to Bible school, you know, a Bible college and everything else. Um, I, I attribute a lot of it to the responsibility on the Christians. I mean, God did say, go in and go into the world and tell the good news. And if, you know, the person I'm sitting in my truck right now, if the person that's getting into their car in front of me dies and goes to hell because he never even heard the name of Jesus, that that's on me. I mean, God equipped me. He gave me the voice. He gave me the heart. He gave me the love for the people who are around me. He gave me the love for you and, you know, Bree, everyone else. And I decided I'm just going to go about my happy, merry way. And I'm not going to tell them about that. And I would believe, I would pray that there were Christians that came across those Jewish people, but they never, they never spoke. 
And I think that's probably one of the biggest things. And I mean, it just brings brings to mind the scripture, life and death is held in the power of the tongue. Our voice, our words, how we interact with people talking to you right now can bring life and it can bring joy and, you know, change someone's life or it can even it can do the exact opposite. And so I, I think a lot of the responsibility is on the people who God gave the earth to, the Christians, of, hey, you are going to be the only Bible some people will ever, will ever read. Live your life <laughs> in a way that displays love. Love your neighbor like you love yourself. And so, that, so, that's, that's, so it's your belief yeah. that if someone is born and dies without ever hearing about Jesus or Christianity, just was never exposed to it. You believe that person is also going to hell? Uh, I, I believe it's definitely a possibility. And according to my theology that is in my heart right now, yes. And that's one reason why my wife and I have such a heart to go into the mission field and talk to people about, you know, hey, this is... I'm not going to force it down your throat and I'm not going to tie you up until you say Jesus is my Lord. But I just, I want to do my part in telling you that this, this is out there. This is my experience and it's very real. Um, But that, that, that rule though, that rule that even if you've never heard of me, Mm -hmm. I will treat you as though you rejected me and send you to a lake of fire that rule was, if that rule in fact does exist, that rule was created by God. Does that seem fair to you? I mean, it, it, it doesn't seem fair, but again, I, I shoulder that. As soon as I said, Jesus, you're my Lord, I shouldered that responsibility of, I mean, I, I 100%, if I came across somebody who did not know about Jesus, and I never even took the time to tell them, hey, man, Jesus loves you, then where, where was I in that? And I, I fully expect whenever I get up to heaven, I mean, there's, um, the Bible says that there's going to be an account of your life. And it's, you know, I believe that there's going to be a moment where it's like, hey, you could have changed this person's life with, with, Three words, but 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 Devin, but Devin, that's only your responsibility. You only feel that that's your responsibility because God said so. He he, like if he had made the rule that if you've never heard of me, you'll have the opportunity to convert the moment you die. Oh, imagine the pressure that would be lifted off your shoulders, right? Because he's in charge, and he can say the moment they die, he can appear before them and go, would you like to come to heaven, or do you hate me? And they can say, piss off and go to hell, or they can say, oh, absolutely, I'll come with you. I didn't know about this. What's going on? And then now they're in heaven. If that was the rule, which could have been if God is really in charge, then that removes the pressure from you. So the only reason you feel this immense pressure is because God has made this ridiculous rule that if they die and they haven't heard of me, they get thrown in a lake of fire. So essentially what you're doing is you're trying to help people be saved from the evils of the God you worship. Because God is the one who put this horrific rule in place, and you're trying to save them from what your God will do to them based simply on them never having heard of him. 
So you're trying to save them from God by getting them into the party before he has a chance to set them on fire. You are also a victim of this abuser. And it's like you've developed a Stockholm syndrome for this abuser who has terrified you under the threat of duress that you are going to hell and your life is going to be played out. So it sounds to me like you're very guilt-driven and that you're terrified that someone is going to walk past you, they haven't heard of Jesus, and you didn't know it, and then that person's going to die and be thrown into a lake of fire because God said so, and you're going to have this moment played back for you on some sort of ethereal projector in the sky, and you're going to go, oh my God, that person walked right past me, I didn't mention Jesus, therefore that one's on me. When in fact, this is all, this is all the result of ridiculous, impossible rules to follow by what seems to be a very evil God willing to throw all these people into a lake of fire and you have to run around, you have to run around saving them from him under the guise of him being the good one. Well, I mean, I would definitely argue, I mean, I believe we brought the evil into the world. I mean, I, I don't necessarily believe that God was the one who created the evil. It was we created that separation. We're the ones that basically took the hammer and drove that wedge in Devin, between. And basically, in, the, in the Bible, Isaiah 45, 7, God is speaking and said, I created evil. So if you're right, the Bible is wrong. I, it makes sense. But the Bible says that he, in fact, created evil. That's definitely something that I would need to read into and, and study out a little bit more. Um, and I, I, I hate that that's been the answer to so many of the questions you've asked me. No, that's okay. Um, that's I, okay. I wish I had more. It was, you know, I'm just really wanting to share my heart. And kind no, of no. And hey, look, I don't want you to feel beat up here either. I, I that's no, not the, that's not the point of this. <laughs> the, the point is, Absolutely. is of the discussion. I, I think, I think it's really clear. Um, that you were in a moment of need whenever you converted. Um, but I think it's also important now that you've been doing well for so long that it is important to maybe look back over your shoulder and go, did I make a logical decision or did I make an emotional decision, right? And is it time to move on from that? Is it time to take what I've learned and and build an even better humanist moral-based life without all of these unnecessary pressures of having to save the world from hell, which really means having to save the world from God. Mm-hmm. There is this popular meme that I've mentioned a few times of of God knocking on a door and someone saying, uh, who is it? And he's like, uh, Jesus, let me in. And he's like, um, um, why? And he's like, let me in or else. And the guy's like, or else what? And he goes, uh, I, I, I just need to save you. And the guy goes, save me from what? And he goes, what I'm going to do to you if you don't let me in, right? That's, that's really what's happening here. You're, the, the idea of being saved, who are you being saved from? If you say Satan, you're giving Satan more power than God ever does in the Bible. God, God is supposed to be the one that has the power. So ultimately, what you're really saving the person from is God's unjust torture, which is is so ironic to me. You are the good guy in this story. 
not not God. Like you, you're the you're the guy running around trying to rehabilitate people so that they don't go to prison because the people in prison will mess your life up. They are in charge in there, not you. Mm-hmm. And you're trying to keep people out of the prison, and then you're going, no, I'm the head inmate is who I worship. What? He's the guy handing out all these mafia-style whackings and tortures, and he's the guy with the moral fiber that we're looking up to? When he could have just made it a very simple rule that bad people have bad stuff happen to them and and good people continue to be prosperous and we celebrate love, not punish it, and we celebrate equality, not rip it apart, and we... We encourage people to not own other human beings, but instead instead lift each other up, and that behaviors is what could get you into paradise, not thoughts. But in your world, it's in fact the opposite. Hitler can behave in such a way that is so disgusting, resulting in over six million deaths, and he can still get to paradise if he apologizes and repents. But the people he killed, regardless of what amazing human beings they were, day in and day out, if they didn't confess with their tongue and the thoughts of being saved, they go to the lake of fire, the murderer goes to paradise. Anyone who would design a world like that cannot be morally good. Yeah, I mean, I, I definitely, I, I can see where that where that thought would definitely come from. And I, if I were to say that I was perfectly, you know, just happy, like I said, I'm I'm an open minded Christian, kind of how you said. Um, there's there's still a lot of questions that I need to answer, and I a lot of times don't like to just say, you know, well, God in His infinite wisdom has a reason. Um, I, I want to know that reason. I, I want to understand, and yeah, that's where you. you know I try and study. Um, just like with, um, I'm just—I'll put my heart on my sleeve for a moment. I recently had a point where my wife and I were both like, "Why would God?" Um, my wife recently uh, kind of went through. We, we, we lost a baby. Um, it, it was really early, but oh, I'm sorry to hear that. No, it. it mm. Hey, I appreciate it. But it was one of those things where it was still very early and we had a lot of people just say, oh, well, you know, we had some people say, well, it was just a, it was just a bunch of cells. Um, we had other people tell us, well, it wasn't the, it wasn't the body that God wanted for the spirit. And my wife and I kind of turned our nose up to both of those. Cause we were like, look, if, at least for me, I was like, if that was the case, why, why do Christians have babies that are born with autism? Mm-hmm. I don't believe that that's the case. Uh, if I believe life begins at conception, then I have to be able to accept the fact that I lost a child. Well, again, and many many people who are parents of of children with autism will say that their autism is in fact a blessing, that it's not a uh, something to look down upon or or something to be. Oh, this was a punishment of some kind. Uh, it 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 tends to be a little more work for the parent, but it's not just autism that creates more work. There are lots of kids. I've had two kids. One was way more work than the other, and I've I've been through. Uh, some tragedy there as well, and so I, I I know what you're what you're talking about, but I want to be clear that 
I hope you're not saying that like a, a child born with autism is, is some sort of affront to God or that, no. that, that, uh, no, no, that no. is some kind of mistake. I mean, it's, it's genetically definitely a, a problem. Um, but statistically you're talking 10 to 20% of pregnancies, uh, result in, in miscarriage, right? Yeah. So it's, it's, it's hard to deal with. It sucks, you know, but I hope you don't feel uh, punished or that you deserved it or that the child, I mean, the, the Christian examples that, or the Christian explanations that you're getting just don't make sense. It wasn't the right spirit. For, then why did God put it in there to begin with? Did he screw up? Did he put the, did he yeah. go, oh, sorry, I sent that to the wrong couple. Let me just pull that out. I mean, how horrific, right? It's, that's ridiculous. Yeah. And so, I mean, and so for me, it was one of those things and no, I, I'm not saying that autism is, is a problem or anything like that. I guess a better example would be say, for example, whenever my, my first son was born, um, he had a hole in his lung and he was born with a uh, genuine recurvatum, which basically means his leg was folded backwards up over his chest. Um, and he's, he's perfectly fine now, but those were definitely imperfections, so to speak, um, and not how the body is designed to be and how, how I just kind of had to understand it. And what I landed on was, look, we are imperfect people living in an imperfect world where imperfections happen. Uh, we can't expect life. We can't expect everything to go perfectly. And sometimes these things go wrong. And thankfully we have family, we have friends that we can lean into for comfort and support and be there for one another being the parents who went through this. And I believe, I mean, I absolutely do not believe that it would be God's will for, you know, any parent to lose a child or for any child to live a life so difficult. Okay. Um, so, so here's what I want to know. I want to know yeah. really two things from you. I want to know how much control you think God has over these things. How much control does he have over evil or over terrible things that happen to good people? And also... I want to know if you agree with the statement that a thousand heads bowed in prayer uh, is greater than a single good deed done by a single good heart. I want to get into that discussion of beliefs over behaviors and God and his interminglings on earth and evil. But we're going to talk about that at patreon.com slash David C. Smalley, where you're going to answer that question on the other side of this. Um, if you're not coming with us, please, at least drive like you know each other. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. Lucky Land Casino, asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.